Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Confidence in Prayer, Episode 11 of the Prayer and Fasting Series. Knowledge is power indeed, even more so when our knowledge stands steadfast in the Almighty God. Our power is no longer ours to maintain. Here's Jacqueline. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I lay here with your Bible open in front of me. All of us have our Bibles open in front of us. Lord, there's such truth in our passage today. There's such truth that wraps up the entire letter of 1 John, that wraps up the whole book of the Gospel of John, that wraps up the whole book of the Bible. And it's such a powerhouse conversation that we're having today. And I just pray that you'll simplify it for our hearts to understand that you'll make it sweet for our hearts to grasp. I pray that you'll be with my words. I pray that you will allow me to speak what you would have me to speak. Lord God, I pray that you'll silence the words that I ought not say. I pray that your scripture will reign as the ultimate goal, the ultimate tool that is used this morning. And I pray that you'll just so sweetly and kindly use me as just the voice and nothing more. I pray that you'll be with those of us that are in this room that are listening, me included, that you'll speak the word that we need to hear, encourage us in the way that we need to be encouraged, strengthen us in the way we need to be strengthened. I pray for the prayer requests that are on our hearts. Lord, each of us have one. Some of us have a couple. You hear them right now, and I pray that you'll hold them, that you'll answer them. I pray that we'll trust you and lean on you and love you for who you are, for you are God. And we thank you for being who you are. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, 1 John 5. Did anybody read 1 John 5, 13 through 20 before today? Yes. Good girls. It is a good passage. I know I wasn't the only one that read it because I got the same question from a couple people. All right, so 1 John 5, 13 through 20 is our passage. I'm going to read 1 John 5, 1, and then jump down to 13, and then we'll read from there. And then we'll um, let the train leave the station, let the Lord do what he does. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of God. Those are very powerful sentences. The question is, how true are those sentences? And to know how true those sentences are means we have to look in the mirror. We have to look in our own hearts. So I'm going to read them one more time and ask you, look in the mirror, look in your heart, and decide what is truth. Everyone, we could put our name who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Have you been born of God? And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has also been born of God. There are things that I could say, but I have a feeling the Spirit is saying them already. Conviction could be sitting in already. Encouragement could be settling in already. To love another person who loves God is vital. Well, which person do I love? Everyone. Ouch. 
<laughs> Verse 13. John writes these words, and you'll see the words, I write these things, multiple times in his letter. But he concludes this whole letter with this purpose. He says, I write these things, this, this whole letter, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Whenever we look at a book, we always try to figure out who wrote it and to whom did it write, was it written for. This was written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. This is a personal letter written to you. Take it personal. Be selfish with this letter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? That you may know that you have eternal life. The first question in verse 1 says, everyone who believes in Jesus the Christ is saved. And then we come down to verse 13 and says, I write this whole book to you so that you know that you have eternal life, that your belief in Jesus Christ is for eternity. Do you know that? Or do you struggle with that? Have you ever struggled with that? I know I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, but fill in the blank. Do you ever struggle with that? <sighs> Can I pull myself out of salvation? Have you ever wondered that? Can somebody else pull me out of salvation? Have you ever wondered that? Can time, you know, need to be refreshed? Do I need to re-receive Jesus the Christ as my Savior? Have you ever wondered that? How long does salvation last? Where is the expiration date on salvation? Right here, 13 says, I write these to you who have placed their faith in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, so that you will know that you have eternal life. There is no expiration date on eternal. It's the very word eternal. You cannot pull yourself out of salvation. That means you're stronger than the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to break this to you, but <laughs> you're not that good. <laughs> you can't do that. Jesus' blood is a little bit sweeter than any sin you struggle with. Let that wash over you. Verse 14. Here's our word, confidence. Verse 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward God, that if we ask anything according to his will, what will he do? He will hear us. That's a promise. If you ask anything, anything, it's a bold word. It's a big word. We pray lots of things. We talked about praying all prayer. We talked about praying all supplication. You have to pray everything. And John says, I can testify of this. Ask anything. He will hear it. Do you have confidence in it? Have confidence in your prayer life that if you ask anything, he will hear it. Wow. Okay. Well, anything. Let's test that. But if we take that on as a, oh, if I ask God anything and he'll hear me, then what's going to happen when you ask outside of the will of God? outside of a relationship, a deep relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to ask for outcomes and you're not going to see those outcomes and you're going to say, God, you lied. Have you ever seen that process happen? So what does this passage mean? Good question. First John 1. To know how a person wraps up a letter, you've got to know the whole letter is saying. 
right? You can't be like, oh, well, here's the concluding statement without looking at the whole letter. This is a concluding statement of the entire letter written by John. And if I did my math correctly, we've got 95 verses in this letter. So it's not too big of a letter. It's a sweet letter. And there's an ongoing theme in this letter that sounds very, very much like the Gospel of John. There's reasons. Same author. Same person he's writing about, Jesus. And he goes back and forth and back and forth. And he says, those who love God obey God. Those who love God keep God's commandments. Those who love God don't sin. Those who sin don't love God. Those who don't love God don't keep his commandments. Abide in God. Obey God. Love God. If you don't love God, you're walking in sin and you're going to... And this process continues throughout the entire letter. Love God, keep my commandments. Sin, keep on sinning and obey Satan. And there's a big contrast. Those are John's words. And he separates light from darkness. He separates Jesus from Satan. He separates truth from lie. Frequently throughout this entire letter, he goes through and through. Four different times he brings out the word confidence in this letter four different times. The first time we see it is in chapter 2, verse 28. He says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he, when God, when Jesus appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. I think that is the sweetest motivation, the sweetest verse I've read in this book, in this letter. I think it's beautiful. How many times do we struggle with our sin? And instead of confessing our sin, like 1 John 1, 9 tells us to do, confess our sin and receive his forgiveness and keep on going until the next time you sin, then confess your sin and receive his forgiveness and keep on going until the next time you sin, then confess your sin. And you're like, that's exhausting. No, it's not. That's so much easier than saying, oh, I sinned and the shame for my sin and the isolation of my sin, and I sin again. And I stack on some shame, and I stack on isolation, and I stop talking to my friends, and I'm crying, and I don't want to get out of bed, and I sin again, and I stack up my shame, and I stack up my isolation, and I sin again. That's exhausting. Because a couple weeks pass, a couple months pass, and you're like, what's wrong? What's missing in this space? Confess your sin. Oh. Ouch. And you've got to start digging up a plant that rooted itself inside of you. We've talked about that discussion last um, session. Here he's saying, here's your solution to not doing that process. He says, have confidence, abide so deeply in that secret place with the Lord so that when God comes, when you're standing before him, there's no shrinking and shame. Could you imagine living a life in the flesh where sin is in us because we're still alive, we still have flesh, but not dealing with shame, separating sin from shame? That's beautiful, and that's possible, and that's real. It's called Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Have confidence in prayer. Study that verse. A good backup for that is the beginning part of chapter 3. Sit with that one. The second time we see confidence is in chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. He says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, may I go back to 19 to get the whole context? 
Verse 19 says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, right? Our heart condemns us. We've sinned. Our heart tells us you've sinned. I know I've sinned. What are you going to do about it? Right there is your choice. He says, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. So don't build up that shame and isolation. Don't do that. It's not a fun baggage. It's not a cute purse to carry. Don't do it. Get it out. So when our heart is condemning us, you can say, my heart, get over it. Get over it. You're a child of the king. Don't sin. Those aren't my words. Those are John's words. Don't sin. Don't. I remember asking an adult when I was a teenager this passage where he's John over and over says those who love God don't sin and I asked an adult I'm like so as a child of God we can live a life without sinning and they're like oh no that's impossible well that person just erased the whole book of 1 John and the older I got I'm like well that's very defeating if the Bible says that you can love God and live without living in the shame and the guilt and the trip up of sin, but you can't live without sinning, says a human, then why study 1 John? So I never studied 1 John. That was my solution. <laughs> Just avoid that whole mess. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is we can, as a born-again daughter of the king, live a life without being overcome by sin. We are only overcome by sin when we let sin hibernate, when we let it sit, when we let it fester, when we have that thought about a person, grow. Don't let it. Is it that easy? Yeah. It really is. Because here's what happens when you have a sin. You say one word to somebody you can trust, and that next word comes out of your mouth as if a friend is releasing you with freedom. And the next word, and before you know it, a sentence is released, and you just express your sin, and freedom comes. And you're like, oh, it kind of doesn't sound as binding when I let it out as it does when I let it stay. That's when sin has control over you. But when you have a thought towards somebody, and as that thought goes through your head on a Thursday afternoon, and you say, God, I'm so sorry for that thought. I don't even know where that thought came from. Please forgive me of that thought. And receive his forgiveness, you are therefore without sin. And the next time a word comes out of your mouth, and you're so angry, and it comes out of your face, and you're like, oh, God, I'm so sorry for those words. And do you know what God does? forgives you of your sin, washes you from all unrighteousness. You're therefore free of sin, daughter of the king. And you do this throughout the day. You trip up. Your hands sin, your feet sin, your eyes sin, your ears sin, your mouth sin, your brain sin, your heart sins. And every single time you're that quick. God, I'm so sorry for that specific behavior. Please forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. You're so good. And sometimes we may have to ask another human for forgiveness as well. Don't forget that aspect. But we're talking specifically about God. We won't go into other lectures. But be that close, that dear with Christ, and you'll master what John is saying. Love God. Keep his commandments. Abide in him and do not sin. Okay. Challenge accepted. I'm going to practice this. I want this cycle in my life where I'm living a life of love for one another and I'm not busy trying to hide and manage my sin. I've done that. You ever managed sin? 
Am I the only person in this room that has managed sin? <laughs> Confession hour. I'm a sinner. We, ha we sometimes we, we file sin away. And when we file sin away, we have our little sins. We have our decade sin. You know that, you know that sin. And then we have sin from childhood that just comes up every once in a while. And we file our sins. And we talk to God about the file of sin when we want to, not when we need to and not at that very moment. And when we, we create this file in our heads, do you know how easy it is to create files for other people's sin? <laughs> it's the biggest reason why you cannot harbor sin. Because when you harbor sin, you see sin in everybody else. And 1 John 5, 1 becomes a stumbling block. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. How in the world can you love other Christians in this room, in this church, in this valley, in this world, when we're busy filing sin on everybody? Ouch. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 17. John says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we. And then he says the phrase, in the world. I thought that was fascinating addition to this verse. This is the third time we see the word confidence, confidence in prayer, confidence in your prayer life, your fasting life with the king. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day that the judge comes. We talked a couple weeks ago that we're not the judge. God's the judge. And judgment is going to come. The judge is our father. Are you going to stand before the judge with that awe and that excitement that I'm going to dance before that song? I can only imagine what that's going to be. When you live your life as a daughter of the king, loving God, keeping his commandments, abiding in him and not sinning, when that day of judgment comes, you stand before your father and you're not seeing God the judge. You see God the father and you just... I don't even know how to finish that sentence. But you're before God. That's where you stand. If you're not living a life full of love for God, keeping his commandments, abiding in him, refusing to let sin have its place in you, but instead you are embracing sin upon sin upon sin, and the judge comes at that time, you're no longer standing before God as your father, even though he is your father, but you're, you've got this stern father that you just came home from a high school day, father, and judgment is there, and you know what you deserve. I don't want that one. I don't. I'd much rather live my day every day saying, God, I said a word and I shouldn't have said that word. Please forgive me. God, I had this thought. I don't even know where this thought came from. The thought is so gross to me. Please remove this gross thought from my head. I don't even want it. God, this temptation is so big. I can't even face this temptation alone. I need you to take this temptation. Please take it away. And just praying for the removal of sin all day so that when the judge comes, you're like, hi, Dad. And you're there before God. But the second part of this verse, he says, by this is love perfected, 
that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, as God is, so also are we in this world. We are living in this world today. Did you know that? (laughs) We have to figure out how to do this. And it's going to look different for all of us because we're all so beautifully unique. But what does it look like for you to have your prayer life, your fasting life while living in the world? What does that look like for you? And it's going to look different for all of us. But God did it. In the flesh, Jesus did it. He came to understand what it feels like to have somebody offended by something you said. He knows what it feels like to be in the flesh and have your best friend break your heart. He knows what that feels like. You could fill in the blank of all the things Jesus knows what it feels like. He came so he can relate perfectly with his creation. And just as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was in the world... But he lived his prayer life more than he lived the temptations of the world. So can we. We can. Do you know why we can? The Holy Spirit. We have the very same Holy Spirit that's in God. Very same Holy Spirit that's in the Holy Spirit. Very same Holy Spirit that's in Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We can live a life of love. We can live a life without sinning. We can live a life in this world without being of the world. What does that look like for you? I don't have your answer. Welcome to the homework assignments of Women Inseparable. (laughs) We don't do homework. We do life evaluations. (laughs) I don't know which one is worse. (laughs) And then we go back to the fourth time we see confidence in verse 14 of chapter 5. This is part of our passage. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. After we go back all those different levels of confidence and prayer through this book, does that last verse make a little bit more sense? No longer do we read it as I can ask anything and get anything. It's now about, oh, love others. Okay, I'm going to pray about that. Lord, I have this person in my life, and this person is a child of God, and I really struggle with loving this person. Can I ask anything right now? And will you hear me? And my request is, help me to love this person. And know that God hears and will give you what you're asking for. You're not asking for a car. If you need a car, ask for a car. Lord have mercy, God can provide cars. I've seen that happen. But when you take the whole book of 1 John in context, you see what he's saying. When you want to ask anything, sin, ask. Love, ask. You want to abide in me? Ask. You need to obey and you don't know how to? Ask. Ask anything and I'll hear you. It's a sweet promise. That's a good confidence right there. Verse 15, and I'm going to read this little segment for a minute because where this whole book is about loving one another, right? And not judging one another. And not living a life of sin. And when we live a life without sin, we don't judge others for living life with sin. It's so easy to look at people and be like, you are a sinning stone. (laughs) (laughs) If we knock out our own sin and get focused on ourselves, we don't even see what others are doing. 
because we're so focused on ourselves. That's a good thing. That's a good level of selfishness. However, when you're busy loving somebody, you learn that person and you notice something is missing. Something is missing on your smile. What's going on? And maybe you'll be having a conversation with a Christian who's something is missing and you can talk to them and they can trust you enough and say, I'm really struggling with A, B, and C. And you're like, oh, you should have seen me with God this morning. I know what to do. Here's the passage. Here's what you do. Verse 15. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. It's confidence. And then he gives an example of prayer, what to ask for. Verse 16, he says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not that we ever notice anybody else committing a sin, but if you do, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. What are you going to ask for at that moment? You're going to ask God for protection against that sin in that person's life. Imagine that. Imagine walking to church on a Sunday morning and seeing a girl with an expression on her face. And instead of judging that girl for walking into church with an expression on her face, pray for her from across the room and be like, God, she looks like she's in a really bad mood. She looks like she doesn't even want to see me right now. But God, maybe she's PMSing. Maybe her child is sick. Maybe she got in a big fight with her husband just now. God, maybe she's struggling with sin. I pray right now for that person that you'll protect her from the evil one, that you'll protect her marriage, protect her home, protect her heart, protect her mind. Pray for her. Can I say, put the stupid judgment stone away and pray for that person? Because there's going to come a Sunday or a Thursday or a Tuesday where you enter a room and you're going to have an expression on your face. And then you're going to be mad at somebody else for judging you. Well, don't you know? I'm having a day. Good. Understanding. Relationships. It's good. It's sweet. Pray for that person. It says in the middle of that verse, to those, I'm going to start over because it all goes together so intricately. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death stipulation there. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. Verse 17 says all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Confidence in prayer. It's a powerful thing. And we'll build on this the next few weeks. Work on your level of confidence in prayer and have the focus of your confidence in prayer, you. And the more you work on you with your confidence in prayer, the more you'll be able to have more compassion and understanding and love for those around us. I do want to take a quick minute to explain this one thing, because there's been questions that have come this past week. What is that sin that leads to death? It's a scary sentence because we sit there and we think, is my sin the sin that leads to death? That sin that I sinned yesterday, will that lead to death? Am I going to um, lose my salvation because of that sin? If you take the whole letter first, John, the answer is 
no. That goes back to 5, um, where were we? 5.13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Know it. Know it. So that when your flesh fails, you know God is still on his throne. Jesus' blood has still washed me. Jesus died for that sin just as he died for that sin. He covers it all. Know that. Know that. Sin is bad. Get it out. Don't be shocked when you sin. You're not a superhuman. You're a human. You're going to sin. It's going to come. You're in the world. Don't be shocked by it. Just get rid of it. Don't let it fester. There is a sin that leads to death. That sin is the sin that continuously builds on another sin that builds on another sin that builds onto another sin to the point that, and I can't, I'm not even going to use myself as an example because it makes my stomach turn. Let's say somebody comes in the room, stands up right here, and they declare with their mouth, I do not believe in God. I do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I do not believe that the Holy Spirit has power to save me. I don't believe. That's the only power. That's the only sin that leads to death. Is that, that sin that from your heart you're disgusted at the very name of Jesus Christ. Mm. That the thought of the Holy Spirit makes you just sick inside. And you're like, oh, well, my sin's not that bad. <laughs> Get rid of your sin. Sin is sin. Don't let sin in. But also, don't be so afraid of your sin that your sin is going to lead you to death. Does that make sense? Don't let fear fester in you that you're constantly wondering, do I have eternal life? Do I have eternal life? Am I saved forever? Do I have eternal life? That's fear. First John says, perfect love casts out fear. Don't let that fear in. Do you know Jesus? Then you know you have eternal life. Do you know it? Know it. Know it. You have eternal life. Let's um, close in prayer. Sweet Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for giving us the gift of knowledge. We thank you for filling us with what you know and giving us the confidence that we can know exactly the same thing. You have so sweetly given us the mind of Christ, and I, I can't even comprehend why you do that. But I thank you so much for trusting us with the mind of Christ. Thank you for giving us um, truth so that we can, when we see lie, when we see sin, when we see disgrace, we can call it out for what it is, and we can stand once again on what we know. I pray it shall be with our feelings. I pray it shall be with our faith. And I pray that they'll both be wrapped around so securely about the fact that you are God and that your son Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. I thank you so much for this Easter weekend. Lord, just the smile that overwhelms our hearts when we think about the fact that our Savior paid the cost of our sin, every single one of them, even the sin that leads to death he paid for. He paid for all things. And he's given life to all who believe. And I pray right now that we will believe. I pray that there's somebody here today that has never received Christ as their Savior, that they'll believe today that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God. I pray for a person that does not know Jesus as their Savior. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you will send your spirit to speak to their hearts right now. I pray salvation will be whispered upon their hearts, that you'll pull them 
from a life that leads to death and bring them into the life of eternal, eternal life. I pray salvation right now upon them. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online.